Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Now, why did I show that this morning? Because what you see in those uh, races is what we commonly know as hitting the wall. And in life, any of us can hit the wall at any given point of time. Sometimes we get no warning. Sometimes we've done all the hard mahi, all the hard work in behind the scenes. And then out of nowhere, sometimes your get up and go has gone. And what do you do when your get up and go has gone? Some people call it being burnt out, but the scriptures that we've been talking about in Nehemiah is uh, where Samballat, the enemy of the children of Israel, comes in, and he sees Nehemiah and his men beginning to rebuild the wall, and he says, these stones that are just rubble, you, you could never get these burnt stones that have been destroyed by fire, you could never get them up and running again. And often, you know, that's what the devil wants to tell you. That's his line that he'll run into your minds where he'll say that you're, you're never going to get up and you're never going to run again or you're never going to fulfill the call and the destiny that is upon your life this morning. He says, will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? And so we think of um, the Apostle Peter who calls human beings living stones. And he says God is putting together this incredible building of people's lives that he calls living stones. And he's putting them in placement all together, building a holy habitation for his spirit to dwell. And I want to talk to you this morning about what happens when you find your life in a state of being charred, burned, where something's taken place in your spirit, where maybe you're finding it hard to forgive a person, maybe you're finding it hard to let an offense go that's come your way, or maybe you've just lost your relationship and contact with Jesus and things just aren't the same anymore and you're struggling to get into the Word of God. You're struggling to have a desire for, for, for the Bible and to be able to partake of what God has for your life. I know we all go through seasons like that, but sometimes we can go through an elongated season like that and we feel a little bit like like those stones in the rubble. And we're saying, like Sharice was in her testimony this morning, will my life ever be different? Will my life, can I get back what I used to have back then? Can I be revived? Amen? Can I be revived or am I going to remain a burnt charred stone where God's never going to be able to work in my life the way I once hoped that he did before. You know, what I love about uh, the scripture is that it makes it very clear the way that God feels about you this morning. Look at this wonderful scripture in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 21. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, this is God speaking, I am hurt. So he's saying when you're hurt, he's hurt. Listen to this, I am mourning, astonishment has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? In other words, is there a healer? The question that Sharice was asking, Lord, I once believed that you were a healer, but will you heal me? 
Will you be able to get my life back up and running again? Can I actually fulfill the dreams and the plans and the hopes that I once had for my life, no matter what age you are this morning? Amen. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. It's just being retreaded and getting ready to go again and again because God wants to use your life right to the very last breath of you. Who believes that this morning? I believe that, you know, with all my heart. And I've seen God use people in an astonishing way in the second and the latter parts of their lives. I was talking to Richard Brunton this morning. He's about to have a party of his book being uh, published, four million copies. Four million copies in under four years. Under four years, isn't it, Richard? Five years now. Four million copies. He's sitting at 3.9, so he's going to have a four million party. I'd have a four million party. If I had a book that I'd written that had sold four million copies, I'd be jumping up and down, doing the Watusi. I'd be absolutely rejoicing over that whole thing. And so, you know, can, can God use us at any stage of our lives? Absolutely. He certainly can. And so I want to talk this morning about the process. Last time I preached, I talked about how God has a heart to restore people's broken lives. And you know, when God does a restoration job, if you think of a car, and I think of some of the classic cars that I grew up with that are now classic cars, I wonder why that is, and you see somebody who has a masterful touch, that car, when it's restored, is actually in better nick than it came off the production line. And when God restores a life, He can restore us back to better nick than ever before and cause us to be moving with Him in astonishing ways. And I love many of the prophetic stories in the Bible. Uh, they're incredible stories that when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them and He communicates His Word to us. And I want to talk about the story of Elisha and the sons of prophets who were being mentored and taught by the prophet Elisha. We find this story in 2 Kings chapter 6, and it's just a few short verses. And the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there. And let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and he threw it in there. And he made the iron float. Therefore he said, Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. In this story, we can find some incredible keys about how God can restore our lives back when we're feeling a little bit like a burnt stone or somebody that's hit the wall spiritually and how God wants to revive us and bring back in the story, we find something of value was lost. It wasn't owned by the person who lost it. It was a borrowed axe. And there were steps that needed to be taken in order for that to be restored. Just like there are steps needed in your life to be taken when you've lost something of precious value, particularly your relationship or your walk with Jesus Christ. Notice in this first verse, it says, they said, see now the place that we dwell with you is too small for us. In other words, they're feeling contained. 
they're feeling contained. And often containment within our lives is God knocking on the door saying it's time to stretch. It's time for enlargement. It's time to break beyond what you've been doing and that's going to require some extra faith because you've got to believe God for something extra that's going to take you beyond where you've come to in this point in your life. If you keep doing the same things and expecting a different result, that's the definition of crazy. And so we've got, something's got to change. And when we're feeling contained, the Holy Spirit wants to do something fresh and new within us to enlarge us, to expand us. Isaiah, the prophet, said, enlarge the place of your tent. He said, stretch forth the tent pegs, lengthen the states, lengthen the ropes, and make room for God. And so when we're sensing containment, there's a couple of things that we need to do. We, we can say, well, God, you can do it all. But he says, no, actually, I need you to shift the tent pegs in your life. You're living too contained, too safe. And now it's time for you to stretch out and begin to trust me for me to do something new within your life. Otherwise, you will continue to feel contained. And you know what will happen if you don't do anything? This is what will happen. It will go in reverse from that point because you weren't willing to trust the Lord to expand something new within your life and allow Him to do something new in you. And you know, when it comes to enlargement, bigger is not always better. But making more room for God is always better. Amen? And so that's what we've got to understand. I mean, Jesus, for three and a half years, if you were going to measure him up, I know some churches, three and a half years that have been going, 10,000 people in three and a half years. And we see Jesus, wow, you had a big church, you had 12. Or if we, or if we want to stretch it out, there's 120 waiting in the upper room on the day of Pentecost after Jesus ascended. Church of 120 in three and a half years. Well, Jesus, you're not that great a mega church pastor, are you? But you see, bigger is not always better. But in three and a half years, those men, each one of the 12, had had their lives enlarged by the power of God. They'd seen Jesus feed 5,000. They'd seen him feed again 4,000 people. They'd seen the blind see. They'd seen the lame walk. They'd seen incredible things. Their lives had been expanded by the Spirit of God, just like what God wants to do for you. And so I want to say to you today, are you ready for God to enlarge your prayer life? Are you ready for God to enlarge your vision today? Are you ready to enlarge, get Him to enlarge the picture of how you see yourself being used this year, next year, in five years' time? Where is your life going? Do you have a picture even in your mind or in your heart of enlargement, or is it going to be same old, same old? I hate same old, same old. How many of you are with me? I hate same old, same old, because that's okay if same old is going quite well. But you know what? God is a God of more. He's a God of abundance. He's a God of increase. And he wants us to continue to grow and stretch ourselves in that place, to equip our lives, to unlock small thinking out of our minds. Come on, friends. You need to just go out on a clear night and look up at the constellations and just take a moment to take some few deep breaths and you begin to realize how big the God is that you serve and how much more He has for you and I when we're prepared to put our trust in Him. You need to watch out because the enemy wants to shrink you. The enemy wants to shrink you Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Great movie when my kids were little. They used to watch that movie over and over and over again. 
<laughs> no sidetrack. Devil wants to shrink you. He wants to minimize you. He wants to, he wants to make you a very small dot on the landscape but God wants to expand and increase and grow you and stretch you and cause you to do greater things than the works that Jesus said. Jesus said those words. He said, greater things that you will do than I've done in my name. Come on. Jesus did some awesome, incredible things. And so let's start believing God. And I want you to notice in verse 2 how it says that, uh, that every man took a beam from the Jordan. And then it says, every man took an axe and began to cut. There were, there were, no, uh, there were no people sitting on the sidelines giving others, giving the, the, the chiefs and the Indians, giving the Indians the orders from the sidelines. They, uh, the Bible says here that every man took a beam. Everybody was involved in building the house. And the church can only ever be the church that God's called it to be if every man, every woman, and every child, let's not forget the children. I've seen God use children in an incredible way, and we need to invest in the kids in our church and in our families. I had a delightful uh, conversation with kids yesterday morning, and it just made me realize, you know, that, 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 that faith that's in the, in the heart of a child is so precious to Jesus. Except you have faith as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, guys, let's, let's understand that we're all called to build, that every member of the body is important. In fact, it's interesting, the Apostle Paul said the hidden members of the body are actually more important than the visible. Right now, this morning, I'm a visible member of the body because I'm here standing, preaching, being a mouthpiece for God. But you try and do a day without some lungs. You try and do a day without some kidneys. Tell me how you get on. The hidden members of the body working behind the scenes are even of more value. And God says, every man took a beam. Every man took an axe. They all got involved in building the house of God. But then one of them lost his axe head. And so there was a problem. Uh, and you know why the axe head is so important? The axe head for us is symbolic of the cutting edge of the Holy Spirit. In Scripture, trees are symbolic of men, or wood is symbolic of men. And on the end of that wooden handle was an axe head that did the damage of actually being able to uh, make progress and build the house of God. You know, otherwise we're standing there. Can you imagine? And this is what often happens, friends. This is what often happens in Christianity. We lose our axe head, but you know from a distance... If you continue to chop and swing that handle, it looks like you're still doing the work of the Lord. But guess what? You've lost your cutting edge and you're going to be expending a lot of energy chopping with nothing taking place within your life because you haven't yet admitted that, you have, that you've lost the cutting edge of the Holy Spirit and His work within your life. Wow. The Holy Spirit wants to flow through the life of the church. Jesus said, don't do anything, don't go anywhere, but wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The work of the Spirit is so vital in our lives. He's the one that makes the way. He's the one that empowers us. He's the one that fills us with the wisdom, the power, the understanding, the revelation of God. And when we try and swing that axe without an axe head on the end of it, we're just going to be blunt 
instruments that will not be able to make progress in the kingdom of God. And so that anointing of the Holy Spirit, whose responsibility is it? The man that lost the axe head, he felt responsible. Why did he feel responsible? Because it was a borrowed axe. It was a borrowed axe. And guess what? That meant that he was a steward of it. Did you know that your life is not your own, but you've been bought with a price? Jesus paid for you. In other words, your life is not your own. You are a steward of your life. And if you're a steward of your life, that means that you need to take responsibility. If I've lost my cutting edge, I need to find it. I can't go blaming upon everybody else. I need to do the mahi. I need to do the hard work of actually getting back to what's actually taken place in my life. Why have I lost my cutting edge? What is it, Holy Spirit, that you want to show me this morning? in order for me to be restored back. It's interesting in the book of Jeremiah again, God actually calls his people a weapon. He calls them a battle axe. Isn't that amazing? Look at, look at this obscure scripture. Jeremiah fifty-one twenty. You are my battle axe. You know, the old battle axe, we've heard that expression before. Oh, that old battle axe. Well, God actually calls you a battle axe this morning. But he does it in a positive way. He's saying that you're a weapon in my hands. Hallelujah. You're my battle axe. And when you're sharp and when, you're, when you've got me on board in your life and the Holy Spirit's flowing through you, I can use you as my weapon to make your enemies submit to the Lordship and the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We are in the hand of God a weapon. When, our, when we get that axe head back and on board and on the end of that axe handle and begin to flow with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So let's see these, these clearly five steps in this little story of how God restored the cutting edge back into this man's life. And the same way God will restore you. If you're feeling a bit burnt this morning, if you're feeling a little bit like you've hit the wall spiritually this morning, then I've got good news for you. There's some clear steps for you to take out of this prophetic story. And the first thing that we need to understand, point number one, is that you need to admit that you've lost something. There's no forward progress if you're not prepared to admit that something is missing out of your life. He lost the axe head and he had to come. He could have pretended and continued swinging that handle. But at the end of the day, he would have been found out because he would have made no progress without that axe head within our life. And we all know that. You know, when, when you're not on form and somebody asks you to do something for God, you begin to get in panic mode because you realize that you've lost your connection. And if you're going to be put on the spot, what's going to take place within your life if you're not current, if you're not up to date with God? You know, and God wants to use us every day. Every day in the marketplace, that's our ministry. That's our mission field where God has placed us. Praise God. And uh, so, you know, when we, start, when we start playing the blame game, we know something's missing, but we're not prepared to admit it. That's when we start getting into deep trouble within our lives. It's so easy, isn't it? When you start getting a negative confession around your life, it's so easy to blame mum or dad or blame your boss or blame your friend that rejected you or whatever it may be, blame authorities around about your life. But instead, God says, no, I want you, son, daughter. I want you to take responsibility. Oh, 
I was wondering where that was. <laughs> Thank you, Tobias. I think he was backing the truck up or something, something like that. All right. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, does somebody need help in here? That's, that's all right. <laughs> Didn't discern where the sound came from. You know, a guy called Benjamin Franklin, you might have heard of him. One of the presidents of the United States of America, this is what he said, and I love this. He said, he that's good at making excuses and blaming others is seldom good at anything else. He that's good at blaming others and making excuses is seldom good at anything else. That's a good one this morning, isn't it? For us to understand that that blame game will never work for us. And sooner or later, you'll become known as the person that's never got anything good to say about anybody else because you're always going to blame somebody else. So step number one, for you to restore your cutting edge and to get out of that burnt stone status in your life is to admit that something's missing. The second step is to actually go back to where you lost it. Backtrack your steps and go back. Now, some of us have to go back a long way. Some of us have to go back to our childhood. Some of us have to understand that some of the luggage and baggage that we've been carrying all these years has actually accompanied us all the way from when we were a little tight. And where things took place that shouldn't have happened as a child to us, and maybe we've never confessed it, we've never shared it with anybody else, and it's locked up inside of us. And until we unlock it, we're going to find ourselves not making progress. So we have to go back and back step, backtrack our steps to where things started to go wrong within our life. And the place where the problem began is the place where we go looking for a solution. For example, if you're really struggling to forgive somebody, you need to go back to the incident that started it all for you. I found as a pastor, probably one of the greatest issues that people have within their life is when they get a wounded spirit or they take and carry an offense in their spirit and it generates all kinds of children in their lives like resentment, unforgiveness, a root of bitterness within their life. And until they're prepared to let it go and to forgive the person who has offended them, even if they feel that they're in the right, Jesus was so strong on this at the end of the Lord's Prayer, the great Lord's Prayer, that we're, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, world without end, amen. And following verse, and if you will not forgive others their sins, how can God forgive you? That's how deeply embedded this key is for us to get victory within our lives. So we've backtracked. We've asked the Holy Spirit, where do we lose our cutting edge? What went wrong? And the Holy Spirit shining his light on that area. And the third part of our freedom is, is that we need to apply the solution of the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. What did Elisha do? He said, where did you lose it? He took him to the place, obviously muddy, muddy Jordan waters. If you've ever been to the Jordan, it's not clear waters by any means. It's muddy. It's not what you think it would be. And so he's going somewhere over here. What did Elisha do? He cut off a stick and he threw that part of the tree into the water, just like Moses 
also cut a stick and put it into the bitter waters of Marah to make them sweet, that when we apply the work that Jesus has accomplished on your behalf at the cross, where your sins were forgiven, your iniquities were transferred to his son, your transgressions were taken upon Jesus' body, and by his stripes you have been healed. His wounds, his, uh, his wounds that he took are to free you from a wounded spirit. There's a transaction that took place at the cross of Jesus Christ and to get free of your burnt stone status, you need to come to the cross and receive what Jesus has done on your behalf. Remember, He suffered. He was in pain. He took it all upon Himself so that you don't have to keep. You say, I just keep getting rejected, Pastor James. Everybody seems to reject me. That's because you're under a spirit of rejection. And the Bible says that He was despised and rejected by men. That means that Jesus took all of your rejections upon himself at the cross so you don't have to take rejection upon your life anymore. You can say, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to spiral down into rejection because you have taken my rejections upon yourself and I'm going to apply the cross to that this morning and I'm no longer going to allow people to put me under a spirit of rejection in my life. Is that good news, friends? Hallelujah. So God doesn't want you to be an old rusted out axe head sitting on the bottom of the muddy Jordan River. He wants to raise you out of that mud and he wants to begin to give you a new status. The fourth point is that at that point, what happened as he threw the stick in, as the cross of Christ came into effect at that point, as the cross was applied, guess what took place? An iron axe floated to the surface. And I can't believe some of the commentaries that I read on this particular passage where they, they begin to try and explain it in natural terms that Elijah got a piece of wood and he put it under the Jordan and then he actually, Elisha, and then he actually lifted it up so it floated to the surface. Friends, this is the miracle supernatural power of God. And we have seen the supernatural in our lives time and time and time again of God doing incredible, incredible things. Uh, in our lives that are supernaturally enabled because Jesus made a way for that, for that supernatural power of God to explode in our lives. We need to expect the supernatural, believe for the supernatural, pray for the supernatural, put ourselves in a position sometimes that if God doesn't come through, then we're sunk. And often that's what we call faith in God. You know, for all I trust Him, the acronym of faith, for all I trust him today and see the power of the living God come through within our life. He is a supernatural God who has a supernatural Holy Spirit that he's implanted to us. Lastly, this morning, notice the servant of God had to reach out and pick it up. Elisha says to him, reach out and pick it up. And this is, this is the you part that needs to engage with God. What is it that God's asking you to stretch out and do today? What is it that he's asking you to reach out beyond your comfort borders in order to get that axe head back into your hand again and become that sharp threshing instrument in the hand of the Lord? Because if you don't reach out, it's just not going to get on the end of that axe handle. 
you need to reach out and you need to say, yes, Lord. You lead me beside the still waters. You restore my soul. I believe that you want me to be restored. I believe that you want me to be functioning. You know, a sign that we're often in that place where we're not prepared to stretch out is that we're, we're distracted. We're distracted. We've got all these things on our radar except for Jesus and his work that he's called us to do. And the work of God is not even a focus point within our life. And we've got this goal and that goal and this vision and that vision, but Jesus isn't in any of those things because we've sidelined him and we've pushed him to one side. And so distraction is normally a sign that you need to actually reach back in and start to put Jesus back in first place. Jesus said these famous words in Matthew 6.33. He said this, Seek ye first. Not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth. Seek ye first, number one, the king, his rule and reign in our lives. See, the church is not even the, the church is not the total focus and object of the times that we're living in. The kingdom is. The church is the agent of God to build the kingdom. The kingdom is the big picture. And when we lose sight of the big picture because we're focused on all of our little pictures, we lose the impact and the power of the kingdom flowing through our lives. But when we put first the king in his kingdom and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you know what that means? That simply means right living. It means right alignment with the king. It means that God doesn't have any issues with you right now because you're up to date because you've been willing to realign You've been willing to stretch out and reach out and grab that axe head and put it back on at the times that the Holy Spirit's pulled you up and said, James, if you keep going like this, then this is how things are going to end up. They're not going to end up well for you. Why do you think ministries go to the wall? Let me tell you why ministries go to the wall. They go to the wall because as you saw on the video, there's nobody that they've allowed in their space to get underneath them, to pick them up and to help them across the finish line because a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire, Proverbs 18 verse 1. And when isolation is the first sign within our lives, when we don't want people around us, when we withdraw, when we go into our cave and our caves and we withdraw and we won't allow people into our circumference, that means we need some healing. That means, that means that we, because God, God has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, but James, will you help me get underneath your shoulder and help you at a time where you've hit the wall to get across the finish line? Will you let me get near? Will you let others get near you? There's very few people I know when they've been a burnt stone or they've hit the wall spiritually that ever get out of it without asking somebody else to help them. Can I hear an amen from you, church, this morning? Why don't we stand to our feet, church, this morning? I've done my best today, and now I need to leave the rest to the Holy Spirit.
Let me tell you something, church. The New Testament describes the days that you and I are living in. Number one, it calls them the last days. What do you mean the last days? The days that are happening at the end of God's time continuum on the planet. You and I are living in what the Bible calls the last days. Let me tell you something else about the descriptive adjective that God uses to describe the last days. He said there will be perilous times in the last days. Dangerous, difficult, challenging. Those are the sort of words that come to mind when we talk about perilous. And I want to encourage you today, this church, Faith Point Church, yes, we have a vision and we have a dream to see seven other churches planted by the year 2030. And as, God, as, as long as God continues to whisper that in my ear, I'm, I'm not changing direction. But it's not all about Faith Point Church. It's about building the kingdom of God. And Faith Point Churches are simply outposts for the king and his kingdom to flow through them in order to reach and touch our communities. It's not about an ego trip. It's not about numbers. It's simply about saying, God, this is what I felt you share with me. This is what I want you to do. But it's going to need every man with his axe, every woman with their axe, to put their hand to the plow and begin to make sure that we don't stay in burnt stone status, where we spiritually hit the wall, that we're prepared to acknowledge and recognize the Holy Spirit's calling us out of our restrictions, out of our confinements, out of our containments to be released and to be freed by the grace of God within our lives. Paul the Apostle said, I'm the least of the apostles. And yet I've allowed the grace of God to work in me that I might complete the call that he's called me to. You are saved by faith through grace, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. The grace of God is here today by the power of the Holy Spirit to free you and to set you free and set the captives free in order to take up your place and the bride, the army of God, and see the kingdom come about. If we could just bow our heads.